Did you know that the average age of an American farmer is almost 58 years old? Gosh, that's a startling statistic, considering we need farmers to grow food and fiber every year. It, it feeds us three times a day, uh, Lord willing. And with a growing global population and a very small number of farmers, really 2 million by the USDA's definition in, in our nation of 330 million, and about 125,000 of those producing 90% of the goods, it's just critical that farm policy support the next generation of farmers. Thankfully, there's an incredible organization, the National FFA organization, made up of over 850,000 middle and high school students. And they're working hard to grow the interest in agriculture, expand agricultural education, and develop new leaders for tomorrow. Welcome to this episode of Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell. Today, we're talking about the bright future of farming and the young men and women who are driving American agriculture forward. FFA helps students grow into competent leaders who are ready to tackle today's challenges and ensure the success of American agriculture for years to come. And I'm thrilled today to be joined by two outstanding young leaders to discuss the importance of ag policy and share more about how Washington, D.C. can help encourage young farmers by investing in smart policies in this year's upcoming Farm Bill. I'd love to welcome Ryan, or it's my pleasure to welcome Ryan Williamson. He's from El Campo, Texas, who's currently serving as the National FFA Western Region Vice President, and Ms. Piper Merritt, a former National FFA officer uh, to this Groundwork podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys. Welcome, Ryan and Piper. And I'd love to get started uh, just by having each of you share a bit about what influenced you to join FFA and why you feel passionate about agriculture. I know that's one of the hallmarks. I've been watching the blue coats. I don't know if that's the proper terminology come to Washington DC for years. And it's always with a great deal of enthusiasm and passion for agriculture. So yeah, just speak to that one, introduce yourself a little bit and, and why you feel so passionate and wanting to step into this leadership role for the next generation of agriculture. Of course. Well, um, I'm Ryan Williamson. Um, like you said, currently serving as the National Western Region Vice President. I'm just super excited to be here. I'm originally from the state of Texas in a small town called El Campo, located about an hour and a half southwest of Houston. And I like to say that's where my passion for FFA and agriculture start. Um, agriculture was so important to my hometown that my high school mascot was literally called the rice bird. Um, so it's a huge part of um, our community. A lot of people are row crop um, farmers or farm rice. So um, definitely was a huge part of me growing up, but I actually grew up inside of city limits. Um, and so I started in third grade uh, raising rabbits in my backyard. And ultimately that sparked my passion for agriculture because so many people in my family were involved in, in agriculture in some way. Um, I always talk about my grandpa who was an agricultural mechanic and um, many farmers literally say that they couldn't have lived without. Um, so when it came time for me to sign up for classes classes in ninth grade, um, I knew I was going to sign up for the principles of ag class and, and start getting involved in FFA. And it was actually um, my very first contest that I participated in. It was called the Agricultural Issues Contest, um, where we discussed an issue. Um, at that time, it was the Veterinary Feed Directive um, in 2016, uh, about to go into effect. And getting to discuss that with people um, in my community, getting to discuss that with uh, my congressman, uh, that was an awesome opportunity that sparked my passion, not only for FFA, but also agricultural policy. And um, I've just kept saying yes to opportunities in FFA. And um, now I'm here serving in this organization. 
Yeah, that's dangerous. Uh, that saying yes, I, I think Piper goes into the same camp. I know Piper well. She yeah. is she is cutting a pretty good swath in in Washington D.C. Piper, how'd you get into it? Rabbits and and uh, rabbits and rice, or or what's your story? Not quite, not quite rabbits and rice. So I'm from Owasso, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Tulsa, about 10 minutes north. And similar to Ryan, I didn't grow up in agriculture. So I transferred schools in eighth grade and the guidance counselor was offering, uh, Owasso is a pretty large school, was offering 98 different elective choices. And the first one, alphabetical order, was agriculture education. Mm-hmm. What's that? She goes, oh, we have this really weird teacher who says agriculture is everything. The, this shirt is agriculture. This desk is agriculture. I said, sign me up. I want to meet this guy. So I joined the Owasso FFA chapter. Uh, my advisors were Mr. Jonathan Holloway, Mr. Scott Nemechek. And funny enough, I also, my first speech was about livestock antibiotic resistance. And this was before the veterinary feed directive had uh, become a rule. So a little connection there. But my FFA experience began because I fell in love with agriculture policy. I didn't have a connection to production agriculture. And there is no production agriculture to be seen in Oklahoma. Mm. So it began through public speaking. I remember that first speech about livestock antibiotic resistance turned into speeches about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and then speeches about WOTUS and joining extemporaneous public speaking. And that was my connection to agriculture was FFA and agriculture policy. And I remember telling my advisors in ninth grade that one day I wanted to move to DC and work in agriculture policy. And lucky enough, the path has gone pretty well so far. I get to live that dream every day now, but truly I credit my success with the National FFA organization, serving as a chapter officer, a state officer in Oklahoma, and then serving as National FFA officer in 2017 and 2018. It truly transformed my life and the opportunities that both Ryan and I uh, were afforded. That's so great, Piper. And and you had some familiarity with DC because of your grandfather, right? I know We've just passed Memorial Day. Why don't you just say a word about who your grandfather was? Yeah, so I uh, got to spend quite a bit of time growing up in D.C. My grandfather was a four-star general in the United States Army, General Jack Neal Merritt. And uh, it was pretty different living in Owasso, Oklahoma, and then coming out to D.C. and sitting with a four-star general. Uh, he passed away in 2018, actually during my national officer year, as we were boarding a plane to Japan, I had found out. Mm. And, uh, he was interred at Arlington National Cemetery near General Pershing. It's a huge honor. Uh, You know, it's one that I don't take lightly. And it's really special when I meet military officials here in DC who recognize the name and say, Merritt, is that, is that General Merritt? And I get to say yes. What a beautiful thing to do. Thanks for, for going down that, that little uh, rabbit trail. Um, I'm I'm coming back to you over there, Ryan, with reference to rabbits. Just kidding. (laughs) Washington DC is an amazing place. And, and I think the topic on everyone's mind right now is this upcoming farm bill it's a farm bill year Uh, the 2018 farm bill expires the idea is to get a new farm bill in place for the 2024 crop year so to to knock it out this year in 2023 and knowing how critical it is for the farming livelihoods and the future of american agriculture because ffa members are the future of agriculture we'd love to just hear uh, just both of you uh to talk about what steps you feel can be taken in the next farm bill to support this this future of farming in America. 
Yeah, I can kick that off. So Ryan and I both are in unique situations as national officers. I served in 2017 to 2018. So right at the tail of that farm bill reauthorization and Ryan's in the same situation. So a key priority that our team, our national FFA officer team advocated for in the 2018 farm bill was for an agriculture youth coordinator at USDA, somebody that was dedicated to focusing on youth programs like FFA at the federal level. Uh, that was a huge success. We were honored and uh, very happy that it was included in the final passage of the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, but it's it's an incredibly important piece of legislation that impacts every single American, You know, whether you're a producer or a consumer, uh, it touches the lives of every American. It's incredibly important. And so I think FFA plays a really unique role in, and I'm excited to hear what Ryan has to say about what this current team is doing for it. Yeah, Ryan, let's let's hear it. What, what's kind of the focus this this coming year? Well, it's it's really interesting. Because it's almost full circle because um, we actually went to the USDA the other day and with that youth coordinator position, they're looking to fill it, fill it currently. So um, it's really awesome to see that full circle moment. As FFA, it's really important for us to be advocates for agriculture. Um, and we're a huge part of that pipeline for talent. And so there's actually a grant through Title VII of the Farm Bill uh, that provides some funding to youth leadership organizations in agriculture. So 4-H, FFA, and then yeah. Boy and Girl Scout. That's really neat. You know, we we spend a lot of time on this on this uh, podcast and, and in work in D.C., you know, key to sustainability, obviously, for farmers is, is make sure that it's profitable, that they can make a living. This is a unique business where, um, you know, the the business model is buffeted by extraordinary risk. Right, weather risks, market risks from markets that are far beyond the control of the producer. Um, so we often camp on on the issues around sustainability being tied to just the economics uh, of farming. But I love the fact that FFA really concentrates on education and research and 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 consumer education. Where does this food come from, and how is it produced uh, on a yearly basis? Um, so it, it's it's so fun to. Fun to hear, and I know um, obviously one of the goals of FFA is to kind of stay out of the fray of some of the partisan politics, and obviously that's a big issue for for agriculture generally. We 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 traditionally have these very pragmatic kind of solutions based uh, legislators who who lead the ag committees. So national FFA officers interact with students, with businesses, with government leaders. I know Ryan. How do you personally work to educate folks on ag policy in your travels? And then, and then Piper, maybe what are some of the biggest misconceptions you've noticed about farm policy in the U.S.? You know, as a national officer, we're put in a really, really unique position to get to interact with people all across the United States of America. Um, so from from both the East Coast to the West Coast, I've, I've been able to interact with people who um, may have different views of agriculture, um, may have some misconceptions about what agriculture looks like. Um, and so it's been really interesting to get to advocate in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, personally, I think that's where, um, as national officers, we get to, to do a lot of groundwork is just having conversations, building relationships. And for me, um, I think some of my greatest moments of advocating have actually just been asking questions to students who I meet in the classroom um, who may not understand that uh, we take care of the animals or we take care of the earth that, um, that we use to produce uh, 
crops. And so I think it's it's been really cool to to hear perspectives perspectives of students um, or of people who may not have ever had any experience with the agriculture industry and just get to ask questions, learn um, maybe where they get their information from, uh, learn what they know about agriculture and see ways that I could best educate them. Isn't that cool? I, I, I love that interaction too. You know, and I think there's something just intrinsic in, in everyone. There's there's something just very basic about the art and science of agriculture that they want to learn more about. So, man, thanks for filling that void. All right, Piper, how about you? How about some of the misconceptions? You know, as a national officer, I probably would have answered this question a little bit differently. You know, like Ryan said, we're interacting with students and interfacing with people in, from all different walks of life. And uh, at the time, I probably would have said, you know, well, the misunderstanding of where people's food comes from. I remember one time we asked someone, you know, where do you think this corn came from or whatever it was at our plates? So, oh, Walmart. Well, not <laughs> quite. And, you know- uh, Maybe, I, but not originally. Not all the way there. Uh, <laughs> that's a stop along the path to your plate. But, you know, as my time in DC and as, you know, my, my experiences at Texas A&M working at the Agriculture and Food Policy Center with experts like Dr. Bart Fisher, who was recently a guest for Farm Policy, yeah. uh, have discussed, I think one of the major misconceptions is simply the cost of the farm safety net. It costs 0.2% of the federal budget to sustain and assist the most safe, abundant, and affordable food supply in the world. Yeah. It's a huge statistic. And, you know, I remember earlier this year, the House Agriculture Committee and the Senate Agriculture Committee as well passed a budget views and estimates. And in both of those letters, they speak about what a worthy investment it is through yeah. investing in commodity programs, investing in crop insurance, investing in programs that help producers every single day do the work that they want to do to put food on people's plates at an affordable price that gets people healthy and nutritious food. And I think that's a noble task. And it's one that we're up to help. Uh, help advocate for. And uh, it's it's really interesting, but I do think that has become the big, biggest misconception in recent years. That was so good, Piper. It is a noble task and it's it's a critically important task. You know, when I first went to Washington, D.C., our nation's, our world population was around 6 billion. Now there are 8 billion mouths to, to, to feed uh, every day. And uh, not everyone has has all the nutrition that we'd like, but but I'll tell you, it's the American farmer that is leading the way in terms of productivity uh, to feed a growing and and, uh, and hungry world. So, uh, so uh, I love the way that you phrase so many things in there. So Ryan, I understand you interned in Washington D.C. last summer prior to your election as national officer. Um, tell us a little bit more about that experience and 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 what it taught you about agricultural policy. Maybe how it equipped you to uh, uh, or was a advantage or, or maybe it wasn't an advantage or a hindrance to get elected to your national officer position, but tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, of course. Um, so the spring of my sophomore year of college, um, I currently attend Texas A&M studying business, but I know that I want to get involved in agricultural policy somehow. Um, I kind of set out to secure some type of internship in DC. Um, and luckily, I, I was able to come on as a communications intern for the American Seed Trade Association. Um, so um, I packed my bags up, moved to DC, and it was honestly one of the most life-changing experiences. Not only did I, I learn a lot about the seed industry, um, something that as someone with not a huge agricultural background, I didn't know much about. Um, I, I didn't know that we have to produce seed for other people, which is something that many other people probably don't even think twice about. So for me, it was a very 
shifting of, of all the perspectives I had of the agriculture industry. I mean, I learned a whole lot about the policy that affects it and how um, not only does it just affect American ag agriculture, but uh, the seed that we produce, the policy that we have in place um, also affects worldwide trade. And so that was very unique, but also just getting to see the network of agriculture in DC was, was very beneficial to me. Um, and just learning about the policy that affects each commodity uh, that we produce here in the U.S. was very unique. And so when it came to the Farm Bill, I definitely learned a lot because I came in with not a whole lot of knowledge about the Farm Bill and how it affects policy. And uh, through my summer, I learned about um, the different titles that the Farm Bill has, uh, what the funding looks like, uh, what what programs it specifically funds. And so um, that was a very unique opportunity for me. But definitely when it came to running for national office and now being a national officer, um, I see that my internship and the concrete experience I had in Washington, D.C. Um, has really served me well because it, it um, I think it's, it's very valuable to have um, a knowledge of the policy that affects our agriculture. And that's a huge part of being able to advocate for agriculture is being knowledgeable. And so it's definitely helped me utilize my personal experiences, but also the knowledge that I've had within agriculture as I've uh, just gone out and met with students um, or, or met with industry professionals. It, it's definitely served me very well. I love that. I, I didn't know the internship was with ASTA or the American Seed Trade Association. I think they say it begins with seed. And so true. And so many people don't really appreciate just even what it takes to cultivate that 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 seed for next year's crop it's there's a lot of intellectual property there's a lot of a real art and science yeah. in that as well and obviously if we're not doing that part well we can't we can't do the farming uh well so ast is a great organization i don't know if you'll know this but but combest my my real partner former chairman of the ag committee uh served from 1999 to 03 2003 wrote the crop insurance rewrite and O2 Farm Bill was kind of a leader on that. He was an FFA state officer in in Texas and really credited uh, the FFA, loved the FFA organization. And so whenever whenever the blueprints came to, to Washington D.C., it was just like open all the doors, do whatever we can for this this group of of folks who represent the the, the next generation of leadership in agriculture. It's really a neat thing, right? Uh, so we, we've heard a little bit about your time in the help, but I, I want to hear about your interaction with with other leaders, maybe from the administration. Have you had any interactions yet with Secretary Vilsack or or other key prominent people in the in the administration? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, of course. So just about two weeks ago, um, my five other teammates and I we got to go to D.C. for um, what we call D.C. Experience Week, where essentially um, for about three to four days, we're scheduled back to back meetings, getting to meet with our um, not only our elected officials, but like you mentioned, the administration. We actually were. We're very, very uh, fortunate. We got to have 45 minutes of time with Secretary Vilsack um, to, to have a conversation with him about what he sees the future of agriculture uh, being like, uh, but also uh, what he thinks our organization can do to best serve our students. Um, like we said, we're, we're a partner with uh, USDA. Um, and so we got to hear what he thought about FFA, what he thinks the direction uh, we can take. And so uh, it was really cool to see um, that he thinks about agriculture issues on, on the regular, some that, that we're, we were advocating for that week. And so it was it was awesome to get to, to hear his advice, um, to hear what he thinks as as maybe some of the issues coming up with agriculture. And so um, he was he was very gracious, but also we got to um, speak with Senator Sabinow's staff 
um, Senator Bozeman, and then also meet with uh, representatives Tracy Mann and Jimmy Panetta, uh, who not only are are pretty active within the agriculture space, but they're also the the chairman, co-chairman of the FFA caucus. And so they're huge supporters of ours, um, but they were also great to just uh, hear what they think we can do as, as the future of agriculture. That's neat. Yeah, Secretary Vilsack is an amazing leader for agriculture, obviously served the entire term of the Obama administration and now has given you know, uh, will at least be a couple more years uh, under the Biden administration. He's he's really a remarkable leader. Tell me a little bit more. You, you hit on this bipartisan FFA caucus. I already mentioned that in ag legislating and farm bills, they tend to be very bipartisan affairs, very you know solutions based. And what are the problems? And let's let's just attack them uh, from a crop from all sides of the aisle. People working together. It's really. Congress at its best uh, in a lot of ways. But tell me, tell us a little bit more about this bipartisan FFA caucus, Jimmy Panetta. And... Yes. So, um, so this, this bipartisan FFA caucus is relatively new for us. Um, so I, I believe it started in December of 2021. Um, and uh, Jimmy Panetta and Tracy Mann are our leaders on the House of Representatives side, but on the Senate side, Senator Stabenow and Senator Bozeman uh, serve as the chairs. And so essentially it was founded uh, for the sole purpose of amplifying FFA and ensuring that um, our Congress is aware of not only FFA, but career and technical education, um, but also that we're able to celebrate the students who who live uh, within each congressman, each senator's uh, district um, or under their, their jurisdiction, you know? And so um, for them, uh, we, have regular correspondence to make sure that we're celebrating students, but also corresponding about uh, the policy that affects career and technical education. And so it was really awesome to get to, to learn from them um, and just see the genuine support that they have. Um, they, they take their positions within the caucus uh, very, very seriously. And, and uh, it's awesome when you get to, to, get to meet with uh, just your elected officials and they genuinely care about the organization that you represent. And so that it was an awesome experience. That's so great and and so helpful, I think, just to build relationships within Congress. So it's another way that I think FFA is actually serving uh, its nation in in promoting this kind of just relational work that's so important to to, to our nation's uh, Congress. All right, you, you guys have been brilliant. This has been so much fun to just, uh, as we're about to launch into this, this 2023 Farm Bill to hear your perspectives. Anything uh, else that you want to say, um, any kind of cleanup that, that y'all want to do? Piper, I love this. Everything is ag. I think we need to make that the slogan for uh, uh, for groundwork and for, for farm policy facts. But anything, any final words? Honestly, I can just, if I can speak on behalf of myself and our organization, we're just really, we're optimistic about the policy that's coming through and, and hope to just see um, us continue to work towards the future of agriculture and hopefully FFA can continue to be that pipeline because um, I know I want to work in ag and so many other students are, are excited to work in agriculture and so it's it's really cool to have opportunities like this to get to share um, our organization's story and, and get to share the the great work that we do um, so hopefully one day we get to continue to have an industry that's sustainable continues to move on and, and continues to make the impact that's already making. I'm, I'm very grateful to have been able to join you all and um, Hyper, I consider a great friend, but also um, each each one of you who are listening to as supporters of FFA. That's great. Thanks for that perspective. And Ryan, especially, uh, makes us want to thank you for carving a little bit of time out uh, for, for this episode. I hope our listeners maybe grow in their appreciation of of, of, of agriculture generally, but also what you know the, the structures that are in place, FFA being such an important one. 
uh, to promote agriculture into the future. We, we so appreciate all that, that you're doing to provide valuable education, farming education, uh, consumer education, help move in American agriculture forward. That's going to do it for this episode of Groundwork. Again, really appreciate the time today. I'm Tom Sell.